Hello, and welcome to the Power Your Advice podcast. The Power Your Advice podcast is designed to bring financial advisors new ideas, why those ideas should be considered, and how to implement them into your business. This podcast is brought to you by Advisorpedia, the best place for advisors to grow their minds and businesses. And now, please join your host, Doug Heikinen. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Do you know why each investment is in your current portfolio? Do you know how it performed compared to other similar options that you could have had? Our next guest believes advisors should be able to answer that question for their clients. Please welcome Emily Kegel, who's the managing member of Financial Transparency. Hi, Emily. Hi, Doug. How are you? Good, good. You have a very interesting company, but before we dig into that, let's look back. What were some of your early influences that molded your path to become involved in financial services? Um, I think that I was in economics classes and really uh, enjoyed them and sort of wanted to be exposed to a variety of different businesses and interests and had trouble finding the exact career that matched that until someone suggested that finance does that. It checks off those boxes. Um, and it, and it does, it, it covers, you know, so many different markets with stocks and bonds and day-to-day economics that, um, that influence really was coming from a conversation with someone and tying it together with what I'd been studying. Um, so it, it was that challenge that kept me interested and continues to. So as you began your career in the industry, what were some of your early experiences, both good and maybe some things you learned from? Um, well, I worked with a tight-knit small group. So I had access to training and you know, real conversations, phone calls that people were having that um, they were consultants that the company I was working with um, to financial advisors from the very beginning. So that was really helpful. Um, but something particular that stands out was that very early on, I was involved with the quarterly reporting process. And I remember working many nights until midnight and later to ensure that the reports, the client reports were accurate and on time. Um, just working so late and that time having my, um, who's now my husband, my fiance there, you know, making sure that it was safe for me to be working late, kind of sitting outside the office. And it was uh, a lot of time into it, but taking on that responsibility early on was extremely helpful because I started to see myself as a leader. And in that role, I could express my values of doing things properly, getting things done correctly. Um, So it was a lot of work, but it was a good experience from from the start. Um, and then I would say in answer to your question on something that, you know, perhaps I learned from more, I think I was encouraged to become involved in the compliance aspects of the business eventually many years into it. And I didn't view this as something as interesting as other parts of the industry, um, but I learned so much from it. I mean, I read the legal manuals and the rules. I studied for the compliance certification 
and worked with the outside attorneys for, you know, the internal compliance exam and traveled around the country to visit the advisors like for compliance checkups. Um, so, you know, because there is so much day-to-day -day compliance involved in this business for advisors, um, I learned from the experience, but I was pushed more into that. And lucky for me, it gives you a well-rounded view of the overall. So that was something that I learned from more than I was excited about. Yeah, exactly. Um, lots of people get stuck with compliance and end up learning so much from it. Yeah. Um, after a very long stint at CSSC, you broke off and started mm -hmm. your own venture. What was the thought process to that? Well, it started with um, a conversation with my husband about, do we want to live in Michigan anymore? Or uh, all of my family had moved to North Carolina. So we decided to be near my family. And that big change led to more changes. I mean, I really realized in that distance from the company I've been working with that I wanted to work with clients directly um, instead of just with advisors. I had at that point almost two decades of experience of working just with advisors. And there was this entire other area that I hadn't been able to touch upon. So I wanted to do that. And I knew that I had enough exposure to the different pieces and I felt like there was enough of a movement in leaving the um, dual BDIA world to feel sort of just comfortable with the RA only experience. Um, so after researching it, I thought <laughs> I've been able to do this really for others. I should be able to do it for myself as well mm -hmm. and to grow the business and see what I'm capable of. Um, so that was my thought process there. Uh, executing a new firm isn't always how you plan it to happen. There's a lot of pieces you need to pull together to make it happen. Did it come together as you envisioned it? Uh, it was a little daunting. Uh, no, I can't say it was a, it wasn't the journey that I envisioned in the beginning. Um, I started off breaking away from a, a firm and envisioned that it would be a, um, in just a solo practitioner type of experience. So there weren't a lot of firms that worked with a small shop like that for custody at the time. And Trust Company of America uh, contacted me and I did not know who they were. Um, after taking their call, which was, uh, you know, part of the starting process of having that piece of the puzzle figured out, um, is able to kind of be that startup shop with them. And they solved some of the concerns I had about hiring staff since they were supportive of how paperwork was done. And they really provided some backend um, brokerage type of support. Um, that was a big deal for me. And then having, I picked RA in a box to help put together pieces that I wasn't as familiar with, with an RA only firm. And they did help sort out my original registration um, and kind of get my ducks in order to make sure that I was heading the right direction. But the, the state registration went through and I started to have advisors contacting me that they wanted to work together from the prior firm. Um, 
and I was in a non-compete situation. So I wasn't able to actually work with them for quite a while until that was um, dealt with and the non-compete ended, but the, the advisors joining the group that I had set up as a state registered firm complicated it by requiring then registration at all these other states. Um, so that part in determining how to handle it was a challenge and had to do a lot of calculations with how many advisors were wanting to continue to work together and um, ended up having a hundred million altogether and indicated interest by them. So I was able to file for SEC registration. Um, so this firm that I had imagined as me doing my own um, you know, sort of thing and marketing it in a way that I have not been able to express myself before um, did change to something broader that needed a more um, a marketable view from both sides of my individual opinions on how I wanted to talk to clients and the advisors that were wanting to join me. So that was different than I anticipated as I felt like I had been in um, a very male-oriented industry with working with men for many years. And I was kind of looking forward to having some more female interactions um, that I envisioned would be clients. Um, so that was a difference compared to how I envisioned it. But I am kind of finding my ground and looking at how I can piece those two things together. And particularly bringing together the pieces that the other advisors needed um, in order to support them. That was larger than just my own shop. So bringing an advise on for a CRM after reviewing all of the options and um, some of those other pieces, we added Schwab to handle the number of different types of investments that we needed to take into account. So that came together over time. Um, it probably took about a year to hammer out the details of that structure. So your work um, includes that of individual clients and advisors, which is mm -hmm. unique. Um, tell us more about that. Well, in, in that background of I've been working with advisors kind of all along. So it's the, that is, you know, the, where you have expertise, what you know best in a way. But I felt that if I was working with a client, I would be able to say things more directly in the way that um, I was able to consult to advisors for years and passing each other's experiences together and um, showing people what I had seen work with some advisors, not others to actually put it into practice. Um, so that part I have found particularly rewarding to experience, but it is unique in that um, I do see a lot of firms where either it's a solo practitioner or a couple advisors and they do work with the clients or it's a management structure that's not working with clients, but having been in that management structure where you're not working with clients, I see the weakness has been that you don't really get to see the pain in the down market and to think through all of the options that work for someone's peace and ability to sleep at night. Um, and then you don't also on the flip side, get to see the, the excitement about meeting the benchmark um, about being able to do something that you haven't in the past about having 
the experience where you've introduced something like a risk number and a person has not been able to feel comfortable before without that sort of quantifiable um, detail that tells them, okay, my portfolio is this. Seeing that experience is um, new to me and very eye-opening and how seriously I treat the interactions that um, I have with the advisors and the client. They go hand in hand with, you know, they're struggling with a down market, a client, and that can mean that the advisor is less likely to want to talk to them. And you, if you're also in that same boat, you can feel that internally of what you don't want to have to, to go through that down market, but you're in it together and you have to talk about what the choices are and helping the advisors get through that gut reaction of, you know, this is really uncomfortable. Let's talk about the choices here and, you know, what you want to do. Um, I think the advisors do respect it more and they know that you're going through it too. And for me, I know we document on like our models, every single decision that we're making on why to change a fund or not. Um, in the past, that wasn't something that I was exposed to. So that's changed just the very thoroughness that you want to have for both sides of that advisor versus client experience. How do you find a balance between both? And are there benefits to working mm -hmm. with both sets? Um, I think pulling in support and knowing who to work with on the different areas for support is the key to that balance. And I will be the first to admit that it's a day-to-day -day challenge to, to see that peace and balance um, between the two because the advisors, well, they have their group of people that they need to serve and you have your group of people that you need to serve as well. Um, both are equally important. And my first, you know, order of priorities is really to not look at it as whose client it is, but rather lining all the clients up. Ultimately, in this, ex this experience, they're all financial transparency clients. I'm responsible for all of them, whether I'm their advisor or someone else's. And I base it off of, you know, the subject that needs to be tackled. Um, which one's at the highest priority first. So that's part of the balance. And the other part is the advisors have, you know, their support staff too. Um, and working with the support staff that they have that um, people that are able to learn paperwork that's necessary and help with the process, you know, that occurs anytime someone's trying to do an RMD and, you know, pulling in the experience that, um, they have, and then also the people that support me and whether it's outsourced like Trust Company of America is now Axos, but um, there, or I work, you know, with John Wells very often. I also work with other people that um, they have that skill set with the company that they're doing to help with either technology issue or CRM issue. Um, so I tried to pull together pieces of technology that had teams to support us. Um, and when that's not possible to create our own technology to solve that. So it's kind of the constantly evolving piece is technology and what works together. 
Technology has to be a big deal. So what's the tech stack you use to make this all possible? It is a changing thing. We we did not work with Riskalyze in the past significantly. And that piece in this current year has been added to our tech stack. So going backwards, I'd say that was a very helpful um, part of it. Um, that's something that the volatility is something people want to measure and is a person who likes to measure how things are going from a quantifiable standpoint. That's where I'm comfortable too. Um, but the less, you know, um, less in the actual financial services industry specific, we, we didn't find the answer that we were looking for on the portfolio reporting. Um, Morningstar kind of came close with something. So we work with Morningstar partly to have data available, um, but then had to develop our own reporting. So that's something that our advisors expect to and like to see in the clients and just looking at things from the numbers. So that technology is something that we've had to do in-house now and that we've been focusing on people um, being able to quickly see the differences from one quarter to the next on how something is performing in their similar peer groups. So that's an important piece of our technology that makes us unique and why I think the advisors appreciate working with us um, because we specifically show them how they're lined up and if something's not doing well, what is doing well that we should perhaps move to. Um, that's the next piece. And then our CRM, we decided on advise on because we saw the portals that were available there, the billing system, there's a robust reporting system as well that we use. Um, I like the, the interactions that you can have, the APIs that you can connect. They do work with both custodians that we work with. Um, so advise on has been a, a very nice add to our company and they make it very workable for you to be able to add advisors or support staff, clients. You have a lot of control on what you can do. Um, so I'm pretty satisfied with that part of the equation. And then we have um, the custodians themselves, Axos from the beginning as you know, willing to work with that, what was gonna be a sole practitioner shop to you know, now almost 250 million um, and assets under management. So we're actually in a situation where we have some assets with Schwab, some with Axos and some 401k plans that are with 401k providers that um, adds that third area for us. But we've been lucky to work with teams that are very supportive at Axos. Um, I'm one of the advisory board members there. So providing insights as to how things are going and what we would like to see different for the future. Um, that's something I do feel that they take seriously and they've shown us that they do evolve. And Schwab has, you know, in an individual that we can work with versus just the call center to some extent. Um, so that's been nice. I'm a little concerned on the TD merger there, but we are um, not really seeing a negative side, but I think a lot of people are concerned about what that'll be like ultimately. Um, they are you know, a very robust company that they provide resources on the types of investments that 
perhaps you can't hold elsewhere, um, that is helpful. And they obviously have a very large background of staff that you can reach 24 seven. So that part is you know, important for clients that wanna be able to get that lockout taken care of late at night um, type of thing. So those are kind of our major tech components. Um, I think the traditional, we have our normal like websites and where really our area of needing to work on and add to our tech lineup is on the marketing side. So I think that's where advisors that I've talked to, a lot of them um, keep evolving that area. So like them, we are in that too and exploring the options to make the marketing side of what we do and how we make it available to people more known. So Emily, I'll get you out of here on this one. Um, okay. What is financial transparency? So I believe that people really should know what it is that they're investing in and you should be able to see why you have what you have. Um, I think that people want to know how much am I paying? That's something that I agree with. And when we picked Axos as one of the providers, um, knowing that it was a straightforward custody fee, that this is exactly what their fee was that align nicely with how I wanted to do the advisory fees um, to put them right out there in the billing invoice that it was straightforward that this is the schedule of the advisory fees. Um, I wanted it to be able to have something that people could see the investments because we're showing them the reports and documenting it um, every quarter and whether they wanted to discuss it or not every quarter, you know, wasn't the issue so much as they can see exactly what we're doing um, every quarter. And we have our communications all together that everyone can look back on. I think having that ability to audit what you're doing and kind of background to be there for people when things change for them, um, that we have the systems in place to say, you know, we are, we care about what you've been through and we're taking seriously what you say you're comfortable with. Um, we're making the changes in a way that we see as very prudent um, and trying to handle it for the future for how portfolios evolve. Um, but we also care about things like your fees and want you to understand how we're competing uh, for, we have a very low fee and how that's competitive. Um, and here it is right up front. So I think people, they, they value that you're talking about it. They can see it. Um, advisors know that they're looking at what we're doing and able to see the same thing. They can see what's in our models, why we made the changes. Um, kind of just be right up, up front with people and direct. So that is what financial transparency is about. Great. Emily, thanks so much for being with us today. Best of luck moving forward. Thank you, Doug. To learn more about financial transparency, please visit financialtransparencyllc.com. Please follow us for all the timely updates on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook, all at Advisorpedia. For everyone at Advisorpedia, our producer, Julia Smolin, and the Power Your Advice podcast team, this is Doug Heikinen.